The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good day, everyone. Welcome to what I am affectionately calling Promo Free Thursday on the podcast. I am Dan Bespris, and I have childcare issues this week in the era of the pandemic. So we're going to blitz. We're going to blitz this one. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. Many of you have already heard an episode, but if you're brand new to the program, this is not the way we normally do it. Today's going to be a little bit of a lightning round show. I want to go through the Wednesday recap, get you set up for these Thursday games. We will not be going uh, ultra deep on any one particular topic today. This is going to be kind of the, as uh, our founder here, Andrewski, likes to say, this is three yards and a cloud of dust today. We'll break down the Wednesday nine gamer. I wanted to make sure I had that number right and then preview the five game Thursday. Originally four that got adjusted due to a game rescheduling getting dropped in there uh and we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about sponsors or promos or anything like that other than to say please do continue to check out our youtube page they had a wonderful show yesterday alan and adam put together a 36 minute wednesday preview they went through all nine games everything that they were watching for from a fantasy perspective appreciate you guys coming out to check it out Uh, It's looking like we're getting some new YouTube subscribers, so I don't know if any of those were you guys from yesterday, but if you haven't done it already, again, you can find those links. We tweet them out every day. It's around 3 o'clock Pacific time. What to watch for? Breaking down the upcoming card. Myself, Adam, and Alan. That's uh, your lone promo of the day. It is youtube.com slash C slash hoopball. H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. YouTube.com slash C slash hoopball. Or just navigate through some of those links we're posting over on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespers. Hoopball is at Hoopball Fantasy. The blurb feed, got to check that bad boy out. And we're diving in right away here. Toronto beat Washington. The fade Russell Westbrook tour continues of the Washington Wizards. Bradley Beal was fine, if unspectacular. Westbrook actually did have some fantasy stats. So while they are still a strong fade from a gambling perspective, my, uh, I did a what do you do, three, four-minute segment on Monday's episode about buying low on Russell Westbrook. He has been borderline unusable in fantasy, and obviously the five turnovers are were a downer yesterday, but he moved from 210 to 190 with one relatively decent ballgame. And it really wasn't even all that great, 23-6-7, and seven, but he'd have some three-pointers, a steal, made both of his free throws, didn't miss that many shots. Little things like this. He can rock it up the board. Three or four games in a row. If he does what he did yesterday, but maybe the turnovers are at three instead of five, you get two steals, and he shoots like 11 or 12 for 20 instead of nine, just something to bring that shooting percentage back up because it's at 41.5% right now, and the free throw is at 67%. A lot of stuff can trend in the right direction for that dude. And I know he's a massive headache. I know it but he's not going to be near the bottom of the top 200. Just not going to happen. He won't be great, but he ain't going to be down there. Davis Bertans got his second straight start, trying to get his rhythm back. He had three three-pointers in this one. He's still way out of the mix for fantasy, but he's another buy low, as far as I'm concerned, because he's going to be out there, and he's going to be getting three-pointers. 
He's going to be chucking. Field goal percent is going to be tough. I don't think he's going to get much inside the arc this year, but he could very easily average four threes a game as he gets his legs underneath him. Alex Len, deep leaguer. Toronto, no news there. When anybody's out, Norman Powell is a monster, and he's been a monster here for a while because uh, OG Ananobi's missed a bunch of games. Siakam missed one in, or a couple in there. I think Kyle Lowry missed a couple in there. So he's basically just been a starter for the better part of three weeks. And I admit, I didn't hang on long enough. I couldn't wait for the Toronto one-guy-out revolving door to begin. Chris Boucher, we knew this was going to be an easy winner for him against Washington, and it was. 17-16, two-block shots. Hopefully you guys were able to offer some buy, some, uh, let's say, um, some buy offers for him that actually move the needle a little bit, not, not, not clunker once. Atlanta-Dallas, that was a good ball game. That was our lone bet yesterday, and we managed to cover with the Hawks, who were unable to get the last-second game winner. Uh, Mavericks continue to trap Trey Young, which, as we knew Im- immediately, was going to turn John Collins and Kevin Herter into big-time performers yesterday. Anytime teams utilize the the trapping defense on a Trey Young pick-and-roll, he's going to have a bunch of assists because he's going to float it over the top to a generally a John Collins moving to the middle of the floor or a Kevin Herter, and those guys are going to have wide-open looks all game long. The only news, I think, from this ballgame is that, well, Clint Capella was in foul trouble, so don't worry about that. Gallo played 30 minutes. He had his minutes cap lifted all the way to 30. Shot the ball very poorly. Went just 2 for 12 from the field. But, but, 6 for 6 at the free throw line. You know that's always going to float things for him. Three boards, three assists, a three-pointer. Put him at his career mark, which would be about 5 for 12 instead of 2 for 12. And you're talking about... Well, I guess it depends what shot you think he was making there. But even if you just call it three two-pointers, that's a 17-3-3 game for Gallo. So he is here, and you must start him. The Mavericks side, we're still just waiting for anyone to step up. Tim Hardaway Jr. is is hanging around right at the edge. Luka, KP, those guys are the easy ones. Richardson is just outside the edge. Dorian Finney-Smith... Maybe starting to get his wind back a little bit after all the COVID stuff. He's number 124 in 9-cat after uh, first few games of the year, first like 10 games or so. He was in that top 90 range. He's very much a non-scoring type. But if the steals, blocks, three-pointers, and rebounds can stay okay, he could kind of be in that Royce O'Neal mold. Pretty similar statistical makeup for those two guys, but not yet. So there's just a whole lot of not-yets on this team, and they may be never yet. If we're going based on last year, the Mavs, Rick Carlisle loves to mix and match, and so the the fringe guys tend to stay on the fringe. No one generally separates themselves. Clippers were behind for a long time in this ballgame. They ended up coming back and winning by seven. Minnesota with a nice little cover. Lou Williams had a rare wake-up game, which has been few and far between, and they really need him right now with Paul George out dealing with bone edema. Lou Williams, wildly over-rostered in fantasy. I know he's had two good scoring games in a row, 23 and 27. He did have an 18 spot in there. Generally been the games without Paul George. In fact, I think, yeah, all those, those three, right? PG's missed three games in a row now. He was okay in their win at Cleveland. That was at the tail end of the road trip. Um, but he, the other stuff is notably lacking with Sweet Lou. Unfortunately, that's just kind of the way this season's been. Still, he's been better lately. 
223 overall on the season over the last two weeks. He's number 101, so he is at least getting closer. That high-volume free-throw stuff, the thing that that separates him in uh, a little bit more of a points league environment. And he will fade, of course, as Paul George comes back because his steals right now are way over the mark. He's shooting 54% over the last few games. That stuff will come back to earth. This is very much a hot hand scenario. Nick Batum still holding on to value. Uh, Ivica Zubats was a guy we were watching, and he had a bad one. Three and seven with a block, went just two for five from the field and missed a free throw and had two turnovers. Just uh, didn't play well, and neither did Serge Ibaka. And guess what? They went up against Carl Anthony Towns. Towns, back from COVID. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. He did talk about the fact that, you know, his whole family with underlying conditions, all the deaths in his family, and, and you know, he was going through some stuff, talking to his, his nieces, I think the word was, where they were like, please don't, please don't let what happened to grandma happen to you, which is, of course, Cat losing his mom to COVID. I mean, I don't know how you mentally overcome that stuff, but he's back, and that's great news. The short version is it's great news. Malik Beasley trucking along. Anthony Edwards looked fine. Again, somewhat unspectacular in this ballgame, but he continues to trend up with 30 minutes. Ricky Rubio is the story. Yeah, I know Nas Reed had a big ball game, but he's about to disappear with Cat back. Rubio is the story. I know D'Angelo uh, Russell excuse me, was out for this ballgame, and Rubio still refuses to shoot under any circumstance, but he did play 29 minutes, had 10 assists, had two steals, and we've been talking about all week and really for two weeks now, he's a guy that's been outside, and I mean markedly outside the cut line for fantasy leagues. He's number 189 on the year, shooting 36% from the field, six points, six assists, and one and a half steals. But if there's ever a sign that he's starting to find a rhythm, he's a guy you need to grab immediately just in case, even if it's only like a 10% chance that it sticks. So add Ricky Rubio, see what happens. If he disappears here when Russell comes back, fine. You can cast him back into the ocean, but you don't want to miss it. And it's kind of the Norman Powell thing as well. You don't want to miss it if it clicks. Charlotte, Memphis, I mean, this is, again, another example of the Grizzlies being just all over the map. Is there a more inconsistent team in the NBA than the Memphis Grizzlies? Holy smokes. Slow-mo had a big one. Desmond Bain into the starting lineup once again for the absent Brandon Clark. They just slid everybody up a spot. Had a big ball game, and presumably he'll be a decent streamer while Clark is out. Still know the Anthony Melton. Morant, 15 and 11. Good popcorn stuff, but missing, lacking in other categories. Listen, I like... I don't want this to come off as gloating because I don't want guys to be not great for fantasy. But Morant is currently number 119. And a lot of you guys came after my throat after three games this year when Jaw was inside the top 30. And you were like, Dan, you're an idiot. Dan, you're wrong. Jaws, he's he's making the leap. It, there was a lot of what you saw then was wildly unsustainable stuff, and I didn't think he was going to be this low. So I also don't want to take credit on this one, but he was a guy looking from last year to this year what needed to change for him to get him up and over the hump. Free throw percent needed to go up a bit. It's a little bit up. Field goal percent actually down right now. He needed to start hitting some three-pointers. He needed to start getting more steals and blocks, which... Steals are actually up a tiny bit right now. I don't know if that's going to hold. Turnovers are going to be relatively high. So you're looking at these numbers season over season, and he's helpful in scoring. He's helpful in assists. 
But there's all those negative. Three-pointers from a point guard is too low. Field goal percent is decent. That's fine. You can accept that. Free throw percent, generally too low for a point guard. Rebounds, you'd like to see more of those, especially after what he was able to do in college, pushing triple-doubles constantly, and he's just not rebounding at all for this team. So he's a guy that's going to have more name power than actual fantasy production. I think you could probably still get someone in that top 60 range for Ja, even though he's not there. And if you can, I would do it. Because that's still, to me, the high watermark for him. I'd love to see DeAnthony Melton come back. I don't know what's going to happen, because Grayson Allen now has slid back in, and he's playing 30 minutes a night. And the the DeAnthony Melton avenue to value may have closed on him because of injury, which kind of stinks. On the Charlotte side, Cody Zeller, first signs of a slowdown. We'll see if that holds up. Yeah, there was some blowout stuff going on, and Memphis was just running circles around him, so hold tight for now. Uh, Terry Rozier is, you know, one of the massive B-150 winners this season. He's number 41. I still think he probably comes off of that a little bit, but it does look like he's taken a step forward. LaMelo Ball looks great. Miles Bridges is in that two-week heater we always talk about, and P.J. Washington will probably knock him off his pedestal. Soon enough, and Malik Monk, this is what happens. I mean, this is a guy coming off the bench to be a gunner. If he's not hot, then you can't gun, and then you don't play. Indy at Brooklyn. Well, this one went a different direction, and you could even see it from the line, right? Like we talked about on yesterday's podcast, the line finally caught up with the Brooklyn Nets. There was so much net fading, so much net hate going on. That Indy only was Indy was favored in this ballgame against Brooklyn. This is a team that, you know, Brooklyn was laying like six to nine points against almost everybody. And all of a sudden, everyone saw them lose to the Pistons, and everybody was like, okay, they suck now. But what you, everybody forgot is that they still do had Kyrie and James Harden, even on a team that was losing. They didn't shoot the ball well in this ballgame. Kyrie did. Kyrie had 17 free throws. He made all of them. That was pretty crazy. And I'm sure. The Pacers will be talking to the league about it. Although, oddly enough, the fouls were pretty much a dead heat. Difference between being in the bonus and or shooting fouls and not. Neither team shot the ball well. Very few people on the Indy side survived this mess. Justin Holiday was okay. Demonis Sabonis was meh. And Malcolm Brogdon was eh. And then everybody else was pretty horrible. Is it a buy window for Miles Turner? Maybe. Foul trouble again. DeAndre Jordan had a uh, rare, solid performance, and I wonder what they're going to do here with Kevin Durant coming back in their next ball game. They play uh, a couple days from now, Saturday, I believe. Do they go back to the Jeff Green spread the floor offense with KD, or do they stick with DeAndre? Now he got more run because the other side had Demonis Sabonis, a, a lumbering ox center, to oppose him. I can't imagine that DeAndre is going to be playing 36 minutes against most teams when he's chasing dudes out on the perimeter. And the fact that Indy wasn't able to exploit this was a, a an indictment of whatever the hell they were trying to do on offense. By the way, you're holding Jeremy Lamb also. This was just a clunker of a game for a lot of these guys. I'm inclined to believe that both Jeff Green and DeAndre Jordan end up outside the fantasy circle. We've been watching them for a couple weeks now, and neither, you know, for, for a, a few minutes there, it looked like Green was going to be the one to elevate himself, but he's fallen back a bit since the shot stopped dropping. If you want to hold on to him, that's fine, but I don't think you have to. Cleveland at Denver. This one got ugly quick, and I don't want to read too much into it. Andre Drummond was awful, and he's been 
a guy that I am grateful I didn't get talked into this year. He's number 73 because he can't shoot from anywhere anymore. At least he used to have an okay field goal percent, but that's gone now too. I would think they're trying to move him, but who the hell wants him? Colin Sexton, bad. Darius Garland, bad. Jared Allen, okay. And that's about it. For Denver, Paul Millsap is on a little heater these days. He went 7 for 8 in this ballgame. And I wonder, is he... I don't think his body can hang long-term like this. Like I, like He's going to have these ebbs and flows to what he's doing this season. But all year, we've been watching Denver to see if anyone can maintain their above-the-cut-line status. And it's still no, besides the main three. Jokic, Porter, and an injured Jamal Murray. Thank goodness we didn't draft him anywhere. He was hurt at the end of the bubble, and I don't think he's going to be right all year. Unless they just sit him down for a few weeks, which maybe they should. Good enough team to get away with it. Nothing fantasy-wise here. New Orleans, Chicago. This was the Zach Levine will not lose game, and he got an assist from Kobe White as well. Zach and Kobe had 76 of Chicago's 129 points. Levine, 46, 7, and 4. Nine three-pointers a block. He did it on terrific percentages. And with that, Levine is now number 17 in nine-category formats. Can you believe that? Wow. I mean, what he's done to his field goal percent this year at 52 is astounding. Astounding. Better than we could have ever expected. Of course, everybody else in Chicago ended up having a somewhat quiet game because Levine and White both went bananas. Uh, what I should also mention is that Kobe White, even with this giant game, is still only at 167 because he gets no defensive stats. He can't even find a steal to save his life. I'm not complaining about this game, but he's not really built for 9-cat. Garrett Temple, Denzel Valentine, they're kind of sharing this fill-in work. Patrick Williams, same story. He had at least had four defensive stats in this ballgame. Uh, Williams is the one I think you can trust nightly while the entire Chicago front court is hurt. And uh, even that's a little bit suspect. For the Pels, Lonzo Ball, man, he's been great lately. Lonzo, uh, with another big ball game, pushed himself up to number 66 in 9-cat on the year. He's been top 40 the last month. You got your guy. You got the guy you drafted now. He's working his way back towards where he wanted him to be. I'm floored that New Orleans couldn't win this ballgame. They had such an insane size advantage, but they just couldn't. Chicago didn't miss. Can't use it much if you're not if there aren't any rebounds to get. Nikhil Alexander-Walker told you guys you didn't need to stash him this early, and I feel okay about that decision. Oklahoma City and the Lakers, another overtime game. Lakers were without Anthony Davis. I mean, they are really not special without AD. They're finding ways to win. Lakers have a five-game win streak, but they've been almost all way too close. Now without AD for a couple ball games in a row. Thunder uh, got a big one from Hamadou Diallo. Yes, the percentage is hurt, as they always will, uh, but he, he did enough in the other stuff. 15-13-5 with two blocks. He seems like a pretty good streamer. I remain very nervous about his percentages and turnovers usually. This one was pretty low for him. Kenny Hustle, Kenrich Williams. 24-6-2 with three steals. This is a really hard team to read on a nightly basis, other than Al, Al Horford, who once again had the line of the night. Horford, by the way, has quietly worked his way to number 40 in 9-cat. Old men to the rescue. Darius Baisley stinks. Okay, that's not fair. He's a pretty good basketball player, but his, 
his his limitations in nine cat are absurd. You just cannot swallow them. Lou Dort has similar limitations, although they're spread around a little bit differently. Diallo has the the closest path among them to fantasy value because of his big defensive stats, because he he rebounds and can fly. But I don't I don't think I trust any of these guys. I want the Omaladone to come back. He's the streamer I would use on this team. And no, I don't think I'm doing Kenny Hustle. I mean, he might give you a couple ball games, but he's a guy that flames out quick just because he goes so hard for a week and then kind of runs out of gas. No Drew Holiday again for Milwaukee, and uh, it bit him because they needed somebody to stop Chris Paul or Devin Booker, and nobody really did. Booker and Paul each shot 50% or better. They combined for 58 points in the ballgame. Paul with the better fantasy line because of two steals a block and four three-pointers. CP3 back up the board once again. Uh, Chris Paul now sitting at number 32. He's officially ahead of his ADP, guys, so that's pretty cool. Jay Crowder back from his toe thing. He had six points, 14 rebounds, a steal, a block, and a three-pointer. Does he... How does he slot in? Okay, so, like, we know the usual suspects. DeAndre Aiden, he'll be fine, but not as good as where he was drafted. And on the other side... You know, same story where, like, Brooke Lopez, he's a little bit behind his mark right now. Some things that need to level off. Dante DiVincenzo bouncing back after a slow spell. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Let's talk about the fringy guys on the Phoenix side for just a second. Or I guess we can mention Devin Booker, who's been a little bit better lately, but still really far from where we need him to be. Booker at number 101, at least now getting close to getting inside the top 100. Yeesh. No chance he ends up a second-round value this year. None. We're too deep into the season at this point. But he could get to be a fourth-rounder. I think that's probably your target at this point. Fringe guys. And I'm talking about Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, and right now Frank Kaminsky with Dario Saric on the self. Kaminsky's played well. 14-8-8 with two three-pointers in this ballgame. And, you know, he's a guy you'll probably see pop onto some rosters, and then you'll probably see him pop back off of rosters as ownership up from two to five percent here lately he's seeing some real playing time but look he doesn't get any defensive stats ever he'll hit you a couple of threes he passed the ball well last two ball games but that's not really his thing either it's mostly points and rebounds with a couple of three balls on percentages that are meh okay so you're not grabbing frank kaminsky you're not doing it crowder on the other hand has been one of those guys that's also been kind of hanging around near the edge of fantasy values. Number 136 in 9-cap. Of course, that's with a couple of those ball games mixed in where his his foot was bugging him, and he played like eight or nine minutes. That drove down his, his season numbers. He was closer to like 115 if you pull those games out. 37% shooting from the field. If that improves at all, he could actually get inside the top 100. I guess the question is, does it? Because he really could just have a season where he shoots 37%. Because um, he's only taken three-pointers. And if you have a down year in any way, then there it is. So keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on that. Cam Johnson, Kaminsky, Sharich, etc. If Dario Sharich comes back and suddenly Monty Williams is like, you know what, we want to go to this bigger lineup. We want to we play you, Dario, and we want to play you 30-some-odd minutes of ballgame. Uh, then he'd be worth a look. But he's, I mean, he's far from that now. He's had one game this year, I think, where he's played more than 21 minutes. He had 12 and 6 with a couple of steals in that one. Yeah, I mean, if he's up in the high 20s, then obviously he's worth grabbing. But I don't, I think what you probably see is Sharich comes back and he ends up fighting with Kaminsky 
and Crowder for minutes. So these guys are all going to be beating each other up, and there's probably no real winner in the long term there. The Thursday card, as I mentioned, this is promo-free day, so we're not even stopping in between. Thursday card's a five-gamer. I want to get this thing wrapped up in a half an hour or less today. Miami at Houston. These teams are both fades right now. Rockets are after the honeymoon. They have hit a wall with their new personnel. No Christian Wood has been brutal for the Houston defense. They can't guard anyone near the perimeter, and Miami's going to use that. Miami will just spread everybody out, and they'll start bombing threes on him. So uh, slightly into the heat in this one. They're just the better team right now, even though Miami, to their own non-credit detriment, they aren't playing very well either. But at least they're closer than Houston at the moment. Toronto in Boston. Toronto uh, finishing up a road trip that's actually gone relatively well for the Raptors, all things considered. It's been... Uh, not a super hard road trip, so at least there's, you know, I don't want to give too much credit, but the Raptors somehow at 12 and 13, they've won two in a row. They're six and four their last 10. They've managed to move into the five slot in the Eastern Conference at a game under 500. Do you know where that record would put them in the West? 11th. You think the power balance has shifted yet? I don't. No, I don't. (laughs) Uh, Top five teams in the Western Conference have all won their last ball game, and three of those five teams have won at least four in a row. In the Eastern Conference, there is not a single team with a win streak longer than three, and that's the Miami Heat in 11th place right now. We need to get this thing figured out. I mean, how many decades is this thing going to be shifted? Well, whatever. In any event, Boston back from a long road trip. So this is a weird one. This is, you know, you got the Raptors on one side who are, uh, this is a playoff revenge game, although they've already had one, and Boston beat them senseless. Toronto, on this road trip, beat the Magic, beat the Nets, lost to the Hawks, beat the Grizz and Wizards, and now they're on the back-to-back in Boston. Both of these teams should be tired. I might consider the under, probably before the sides, if I'm looking at it from a betting standpoint, although 220.5 is a pretty low number for any basketball game this year. Uh, by the way, fantasy-wise, Miami-Houston, we need to see Duncan Robinson start to play better. Kelly Olynyk, hey, is he inside the top 100 yet? Did he creep in there? 97, that's my guy. There you go, Kelly. He is, by the way, uh, and I need to look this one up on air because I don't have this stat in front of me. He's only 42% rostered, guys. What's wrong with everybody? He's number 88 by totals, by the way. He's even better than that. This is a top 100 guy. And nobody wants him. Bunch of buttheads out there. Yeah, a bunch of buttheads. Fix that. Sorry. Um, Houston, I still want to see if Daniel House can get up and over the hump. I don't know. I don't think he will, but I'm paying attention to it. Boston, Toronto, there isn't a whole lot. We're, you know, we're seeing Kemba Walker kind of hitting that first wall after not playing in forever. You know, this is a guy who had a bunch of adrenaline. He had all that energy when he came back, and now you're seeing the the sort of the bounce down as his minutes have ramped up the fatigue the dead legs have kicked in everybody's like oh Kemba will never be himself again let's give it a little bit of time guys he's actually probably a buy low if anything at the moment Indy Detroit can the Pacers bounce back after their ugly loss to the Brooklyn Nets I'm probably leaving this game alone fantasy wise you know the stories on both teams at this point there's really nothing new to watch on Indy Detroit I think the only thing to pay attention to is the Wayne Ellington, Josh Jackson time battle that has shifted in Jackson's favor since Ellington either went cold or got hurt or some combo of both. So we'll see if that flips back the other way. Cause remember Wayne had 37 threes 
in a seven-game span. Not long ago. That, I mean, that's that's pretty wild. Some of these guys, they hit four or five threes for two or three games in a row. He did it for seven. Orlando, boy, do they stink. Man, they need Evan Fournier back. This game opened, by the way. Warriors were a five-and-a-half-point favorite, and it's up to eight already. The action has been significant on the Warriors' side in this ball game. Woof. They had to move the line a long way to start getting magic money to come in. And now I'm starting to think maybe it moved far enough. I mean, eight is a big number. Eight is a big number for a Warriors team coming home off four games in Texas. A pair of back-to-backs. Emotional games. Steph Curry's rolling right now, which is a big fear. And the Magic, who kind of only have one weapon at the moment, Vooch against Draymond Green is a bad matchup for Orlando. So they really need Terrence Ross, and they really need Evan Fournier to be able to play in this ballgame, but also to be useful in some capacity. I'm leaning Magic, but who boy. They're a tough team to bet these days because they are bad. Can anybody else step up on that team? I doubt it. There is a very weird world, and I don't, I mean, this, like, we're trying to make this show fast, but here I am going off on a Michael Carter-Williams note. There is a very weird world where Michael Carter-Williams ends up with fantasy value this year. And it's, it's far. We're far from said world. But I want to take you guys on our way back adventure. And I don't want you guys picking this dude up. I don't even think you need to put him on your watch list because we still don't have any idea when he's actually going to play. The uh, the latest word... What the hell's the latest word on Michael Carter-Williams? He hasn't played uh, in months. It's a sprained foot, although he's technically questionable for this ball game. So it's kind of the first update we've had in forever. He played on January 4th. He's been out for about five weeks. Um... I have to imagine they're going to be kid-gloving him a little bit. But here's the thing. If he gets up to game speed, he could take that starting job from Cole Anthony. He's not a good scorer, uh, even at the at the way beginning of his career. He, he won, I mean, this is the rookie of the year. Uh, even then, he wasn't a good scorer. But that was, I believe we were in the, the process way back when, and uh, so Philly just turned him loose. This is seven years ago now. He averaged 17, 6, and 6 with two steals and half a block while while shooting 40% from the field, 70 at the free throw line, and not making even one three-pointer a ball game. So, I mean, we're not talking about a guy who has a robust fantasy game here, but this is very much a scenario where he could end up on a team that is starting Vooch and Fournier, okay, competent to decent to even good NBA players, uh, and also uh, Dwayne Bacon or James Ennis. Like, if the, uh, Cole Anthony being a rookie point guard, you can see that's not really working for this team. And Markel Fultz ain't coming back anytime soon. So... Just file it in the back of your head. Put it in the the deep, the deepest, darkest corners of the Rolodex. If Michael Carter-Williams suddenly works his way up to 30 minutes a ball game, you're probably looking at something not dissimilar from, like, 2015 Michael Carter-Williams. He was with the Bucks back then, and he averaged 12-5-5 and, fi- and, 
with 2.3 defensive stats on not good percentages. So it's still a stretch, but it's a possibility because they know they're not beating anybody with offense, and they may need someone out there who can actually go create a little havoc on the defensive side. So keep it in the back of your mind. Uh, Aaron Gordon returning at some point will also alleviate a little bit of the point guard pressure, and then maybe they will want more defense in that starting unit. I cannot believe that. We may end up... I mean, this is a year where Carmelo Anthony is having some decent ball games, and uh, Thad Young is back. Screw it. Let's just make it the year where Michael Carter-Williams is useful again. Let's go full circle and just make this year 2015. Right? Why the hell not? Anyway, this is a very much down-the-line kind of thing. But, understand, this is an Orlando team that's basically on its fifth-string point guard. Starting point guards, hard to come by, even if they're not shooting. No storylines on the Warriors' side. Philly, nothing. Portland, really nothing either, uh, fantasy-wise, at least for these ball games. Philly is favored by 5.5 in Portland. This is a Philadelphia team that actually lost to the Blazers without Damian Lillard in Philadelphia. Can't imagine they're going to be taking this game all that lightly. But we'll see. We'll see. And that's your show. 32 minutes, I think, roughly, on Promo Free Thursday. Going real fast and eliminating all the extraneous stuff. We can get a show done in 32 minutes. Tomorrow's show will be longer. Friday's shows always are. We'll do our full week in review. Ads, drops, watch list, streamers, buys, sells, all of that good stuff, and get you a weekend preview where we'll take a look at each team's next ball game. Those Fridays are always fun. That's how we get ourselves set up so we know where to focus our energies over the weekend. Again, please do check out the HoopBall YouTube page, youtube.com slash C slash HoopBall. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Rate and review the pod. You know the drill. Drop that five-star on it. I'll love you forever, et cetera, et cetera. Have a great Thursday, everybody. Apologies for the ultra-fast show today, but I hope I've banked enough long ones for you where maybe you're even thinking, boy, that was quick and fun. I like that. That was a light and airy edition of uh, Fantasy NBA Today. Back at you tomorrow with the long one, folks. We'll talk to you then. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.